Hey, I'm Brandon. And I'm Hannah, and we're the pastors at New Community Church. Yeah, and it's our hope that this message inspires you to take your next steps in your faith journey with Jesus. Thanks for joining us today, and enjoy the message. Pull us all in. Uh, you watch that video, and the reason why those words are on that video, it's actually a prayer in Ephesians. And it's our prayer for you over this summer that you would really, as we take time to study and dig into this letter in our New Testament, this document that's been preserved and saved and reserved for you, that, that really we would, you would actually experience an, an ability to know God better, that He would give you such revelation by His Spirit that your heart would be enlightened to His eternal purposes. And plans for you, not just for you, but for us. And, and if it's okay for everyone who wasn't here on week one, I do want to catch us up in the room. What we're doing is we are we're taking, there's a, a, a letter written by the Apostle Paul to Christians about what life in Christ looks like. And we, in our Bibles, we call it Ephesians. And that letter is six chapters long. And so what we're doing is we're just basically kind of hitting the themes in each chapter every Sunday. And then throughout the week, we've invited you to be reading this with us, but we're doing it in a unique way, and I want to invite you, if you haven't started with us, or maybe you started, but you, you didn't do it this last week, I want you to dive back in this week. Here, here's what it looks like. Normally, if you've, if you've ever read the Bible, a lot of times the plans, you read like a lot in a day, or you'll read like chapter one on Monday, chapter two on Tuesday, or chapter uh, three on Wednesday, and so on, but what we're asking you to do is just read one chapter Five, every day for five days. So Monday, this week, you would read chapter 3. And then Tuesday, you'd read chapter 3. And then Wednesday, you'd read chapter 3. And here's why you do that. Because when you just allow that word to just begin to dig in you, it actually starts churning and churning deeper and deeper. And I believe God begins to open up begins. Did y'all hear that? That's my Italian accent. Uh, anyways. Uh, I'm not Italian, but I know you were wondering. Um, so it, it, it came out, it's where it, uh, <laughs> I, I say it came out, I was still talking about my accent. Okay, zoom in. Ephesians 3, it, it, when you take time to study like that, and really what we've said, and we've got a plan, it's on our website, we've got a, some paper copies in the back if you want to look at it. What we're asking you to do is every day you're just asking God one question as you read. It's a different question on Monday, different question on Tuesday, but as you do that, I really believe God will enlighten your heart to some fresh revelation of his passion for you, his truths and his insights. And so, listen, if you haven't started, don't worry. Just don't, don't try to catch up. Just t tomorrow, jump in with us on chapter 3 and start reading that and letting God just begin to speak over your life and your heart and your mind. And I believe no matter who you are. If, if you've been a Christian since you're, you're, you were in your mother's womb, or if you were, have, you know, you've been around church for a little bit, and maybe you're brand new to this, or maybe you, you, just, you still are trying to figure out how Jesus and the church and all this fits in your life. Just listen, I believe if you will just open up this book and you will read it, I believe it could change your life. It could change your life, and that's what I'm hoping for you. Is that good? Say bueno. Come on. So, again, just to kind of let you know where we've been, chapter 1 and week 1, what we looked at is that before you were born or before you ever took a breath, God made decisions about your life. In fact, we looked at three of them. God made lots, but we looked at three that we see in Ephesians that God decided. Before God called the world into being, God had a calling on you to experience a life where you were accepted and adopted into his family, where that issue was settled. From day one, 
God had a plan and, a, and he had made up his mind that you would be free. That there would be nothing that would control you. No one who would have to control you. But you could be free to be in relationship with him and really discover everything that he made you for. And that was the third choice. God made you to be significant. That in you, inside of you there is inherent value on your life simply because God already chose it. You don't have to go looking for it. You don't have to search for it. Man, God's already got that for you. And those three things, those three realities are not just a pipe dream or not just like a sweet Disney banner. Like this is what God chose through Jesus that every one of us have a chance to obtain that and live in that life. Not just one day in eternity, but here and now. You can say yes to that life through Jesus. That is some Good bueno right there. So that, that was week one. Week two, what we looked at, and really where Paul invites us, he says, listen, this is what God chose, but you got to remember. you got to remember that there was a life, you and I, we were all on a path. Uh, as, as Paul said it, the, the course of the world. We were all headed in the same direction, heading away from hope. We were heading away from God. We were all heading in a direction towards pain, towards loss. Ultimately towards wrath, towards the consequences of our own actions and reactions and decisions. But God, in his great love for you, he saved you from that path and put you on a new one by grace. And as Hannah led us last week and spoke to us that we have an opportunity to live a life defined by grace. That's what Paul called us to Last week, I love the word, man. Such a good word for each one of us. But as we look at week three, where Paul takes us is that not only did God have a plan for you, and not only does God have grace for you, but God has a plan for us. That when it comes to the whole heart of Jesus and why he came, there was an us to that. And this us is what we call the church. The church and really God's heart and intent and that's what I'm hoping that you'll discover and we'll discover together tonight is what God intended when he formed the church and here's why I think this is such a relevant conversation for us today because this is a conversation this is a topic I mean there's lots of opinions right now there's lots of opinions in our culture in your family there's lots of opinions in your neighborhood there's lots of opinions uh, in the, on the people that you work with about the church Right? I mean, you know them. I don't have to call them out to you. You know what people think. You know what, how people feel about the church. There's a lot of skepticism, right? You know, it's crazy. It's not just silent skepticism uh, like it may have been uh, 20 years ago. There's a lot of vocal hostility about the church, right? Good? No, not a bueno, but you know, we were just, we're, we all, we can all see that. There's, there, I think really, even in this uh, past years, the, the hostility has cranked up a little bit more. And, and I think the skepticism has cranked up. It's not just outside the church, right? It's inside the church too. There's some cynicism, maybe for you, maybe you're here tonight and you're sitting here and, and you might be like this. In fact, the last few years may have just dug your heels in even more with this whole idea that you're okay with God and you're, maybe you're okay with Jesus, but you just want nothing to do with the church. Maybe that's you. Or, or maybe, maybe you just, there's some things you're okay to be a part of, but you just kind of keep it at, at arm's length. Like, I'm okay in some ways, but I'm just not going to get too deep and too connected because, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know. I just, I don't trust, I don't trust the church. 
And I think that's really the issue, right? I think that's really the conversations that happen in people's minds. And I think there's a lot of people right now in our nation that are, are disconnected from the church. And they're disconnected for a reason. There's something that's held them out. I think for some things it's what they've experienced. I think a, a, another thing that's held people uh, and, and given people reservations in the church. I think it has to do with people who stand on a stage like me or like us. And we, we have said things. And we have said we represented Jesus or we represent God's heart or what God would think about this and we have been flat wrong I have sat on a, I have stood on a stage and been wrong and done it from a heart of a, that was in the wrong posture I've talked to you guys about that before and I think it so happens and it's so unfortunate that 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 because of that people have chosen to walk away from the church but I, I would say that more important than kind of processing through all those decisions and opinions and what people have done and all the conversations about all this stuff, I, I really think the more important thing to consider is this question right here. is just to get, make it personal and ask yourself, what are my reservations? What are my reservations about the church? Because we all have them. We all have something, some place where we're just not ready to go all in. Like we just don't know if we're sure. And, and I don't know tonight. I don't know if we're going to answer every question that you have. And I don't know if we're going to be able to address every reservation that you may have. But what I do hope is that tonight as we look at this text, we will see what God's heart was for the church. Come on, isn't that a cool background? That's just like the spirit of God waving through the space. It's all right. Give him like 10 seconds, he'll come back. Don't pay attention to that. Just hang with me. What are your reservations? And like I said, my hope is that we will connect. Like we will really discover God's intent. And here's what you and I, we have to wrestle to the ground in all of this. And it's this, that the church was God's intent. It was God's idea. Let me say it this way. The church was God's plan, not man's. We didn't come up with this. God did. And if I can just be a little honest in the room, I think we've lost sight of that as, as, a, as a culture, as the church at large. I think we've lost sight that this is something God ordained, God created, God started. And it's so important that we lean back into what God's heart is for his church. And that's where I think Paul takes us in Ephesians. I think it's where God is really has a word for each one of us. So we're going to lean into that and just go there. What we're going to do is we're going to look at really the second half of chapter 2 in Ephesians and finish over in the, in the first half of chapter 3. Um, we're going to look at chapter 2 and 3. I don't know if I finished my thought there, but that's where we're going to be. So if you have your Bibles, you can click there um, or turn there. It's uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15. Are we good to go on the screen? I love it. So I want to start us off here, and we're going to look at this. If you're ready to go, say bueno. I love it. Let's go. Here's where Paul begins when he starts talking about God's heart and intent here. Let's lean into it. It says that God's purpose was to create. And I just wanted to pause right there because this is so foundational for anything when it comes to following Jesus. And that's this. That Jesus did not come to fix your life. That Jesus didn't come to fix a religious broken, uh, 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 fix a, a broken religious system. Jesus did not come to fix the relationship between God and Israel. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus came to create something brand new. His invitation from the beginning 
was to be born anew, was to be born again, that he wants to do something in your life that you could never do on your own. And it wasn't until you surrendered everything to him and invited him in, in that space, that's where he would do something new. Listen, whenever God moves in the earth, whenever God moves in this place, what he does, he wants to create something new. Isn't that beautiful? That's what we celebrate with Jesus. That's what he wants to do in you, but it's also what he wants to do in us. That is his heart. We've got to hold on to that. His purpose was to create, it's what it says, create in himself one new humanity. Wow, that's an incredible statement. Not one new community, although that would have been, I know, right? Like that would have been brilliant. Not one new community, not one new family, one new humanity. That's a word that speaks to a depth and a foundation of identity. Let me say it this way. For God to say he wants to create a a new humanity is, he's saying, I want to create a new humanity that is defined by Jesus and has a foundation on Jesus that is so much deeper and it goes beyond and it's greater than anything else you could be defined by. Your nationality, your family tree, your race, your, 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 I don't know, like your favorite team. I don't know, whatever you define your life by. Jesus said, no, I came to create a people, brand new, brand new humanity. And I came to do it out of two thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile them all to God through the cross by which he, Jesus, put to death their hostility. Now when Paul says this, and he talks about bringing the two to one, he was speaking about two groups of people, two ethnicities. It was the Jewish people who were God's chosen people, and we have that story of what God did through them to bring us Jesus. Uh, And and so there were the Jewish people, and then there were the rest of us, um, which is in the Bible called the Gentiles. And so I I don't know who's Jewish in the room, but that's kind of, you know, if if you're not Jewish, then you're with the rest of us. We're all just Gentiles. And so that's what he was saying is God was bringing the two together. But what you just need to hear in your heart And what you need to receive from God in your heart is that God can make any two one. God can bring any two groups where there's been hostility, and he can make them one in Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that what we believe, Nuko? That God can bring together black and white, and they can be one under Jesus, right? God can bring together male and female, and they can be one together under Jesus, right? God can bring together... Townies in Ashland and non-townies in Ashland. Anybody? Anybody a non-townie? Come on. We can be one together, though, in Jesus. God can bring together Republicans and Democrats. I know it's impossible looking, but it can happen. Come on. This is the promise of this passage, that God can bring any two, but it happens. It happens when he puts to death our hostility. In fact, his desire is that we would be one, one new humanity with no hostility in our hearts. And so I, I just believe as we look at this tonight, we're going to see that God has created this one new humanity and he has three purposes in mind, three intents, three desires and passions he has for his church. And I want to give them to us. And as we look at this, here's the first one that came out of what we just read. It's this, a shared alliance. A one new humanity who share an alliance 
with one another. This is such a deep-seated bond. This idea of, of being so cemented together. They're defined. Their identity rests on Jesus Christ above everything else that could ever divide them. And that this shared alliance, within that, there would be no hostility. Hear me now. This is not an alliance to a local church. It's okay. I'll say it this way. This is not an alliance to new community. Okay with that? This is about an alliance to God's church that's bigger than new community. Can you put your hands together if you believe that, that that's what we're about here? But the truth is this. The truth is this. That we will not be the church God intended until each one of us put to death our hostility by bringing it to the cross. Do you know what I mean? I'm talking about the hostility that may be in your heart and that is in my heart towards other people in the church. And God's saying, I want to put that thing to death so that you can be the church I always intended for you to be. And that's really the question tonight. Before, I mean, we're going to talk about some things, and there's some things we're about to read in this I am so passionate about. But if I can just be honest, if we do not deal with this right here, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. God wants to put to death the hostility. So the question for you, before we say anything else, is what is the hostility in your heart? What do you need to bring to the cross that God could put it to death? I've shared my own story with that, that even for a long time, I felt like I had witnessed enough hypocrisy in the church, and I had witnessed enough insincere motives and shallow Christianity that I had figured it out, and all the church people were wrong, and I was right, and I was called to be a pastor to fix them all. And that was kind of, I've shared, that was my perspective. I know it's not funny. I know, but that's what I just, that's where, where I was at. But I'm telling you, I was, the whole time I was in that mindset, and even when I was my very first years working at a church, and that was my mindset, I kept waiting on God to change the people around me. And I just believe this, as I know what God did in me, God, I believe, was waiting to change me. He was waiting to change me because I was the one who had a deep-seated hostility and judgment in my heart. And it wasn't until I really allowed God to convict me. And it wasn't until I brought that hostility to the cross. Man, I wish I could walk you through my story of what just the practical ways God literally, I had to die to myself. I had to lay down my own preferences and my rights and my pride So many times to just die to that hostility and bring it to the cross and say, I'm here because of Jesus. And and I'm laying all this down at the cross. And I need you to change me, God. And it was in that place, the miracle of that season in my life was God exchanged in my heart. A deep-seated hostility for a deep-seated love for his people. A deep-seated love for his people. Church, and I just believe, I think that's part of my story. I think that's part of my call in my, in my life is to help other people experience this love for God's people. The very love that God has for the ones in these seats and for the ones in the churches in our community and for the ones in the churches in our generation and around the globe that God would give us a love for his church. I believe that's why we're here. It's part of my heart too. And I think actually there's no greater gift being able to carry that, I want to talk about that a little bit more. But I just, before we move on, before we look at what that could look like, man, you've got to be willing to come to a place where you lay down your hostility. 
And maybe that's why God brought you here tonight. Just that you could have a moment of honesty with him. A moment to truly bring that to the cross. And I, if, if I can just be real with you, I'm sure if I knew your story, I'm sure if I heard what had happened and what the church did and what they said in the name of God, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure I would agree with you on, on a lot of points about what they did and how wrong it was. But even in that place of pain and bitterness, God wants you to bring that hostility so that he can heal you and set you free. Good? Good. God wants to do that. God wants to do that. And until we allow him to do that in each one of us individually, we can never become the church, the new humanity that he intended when he created us. That was the heart. So let's look, though, because there's more. God wants to start there, but there's so much more he wants to do in you and me. It says what Paul, as he continues, he says, Consequently, consequently, You all are no longer foreigners and aliens. As a new humanity, you are fellow citizens now with God's people. You have a new identity. You are members of God's household. And you are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Come on, can you put your hands together if you believe and you know it that God isn't about building a physical church. He's about building his people to be the church. Can you put your hands together to celebrate that? In him, that's what he's doing. And in him, we are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So powerful. What God wants to do as he lives inside of us, and has, it's not just as he lives inside of you, but it's as he dwell, lives and dwells inside of us. And this language is as we join together in that way, as we join together in God's spirit and allow that to take place in us, there's a rising that happens. There's a building that happens. There's something God's doing. And I'll just say it this way as I look at this text. I believe God's intent, what he's saying right here, is there's to be a shared mission in the church. A shared mission. And I, I'm sold out. I believe that the mission includes people outside of our walls. And people that don't come. And people who are unfamiliar and unconnected with church. But I don't think unconnected is a word. But I, I also believe, and you can't miss it in this text, that God's heart is that the mission includes one another. That before God works through the church, he wants to work in the church. Yeah? He wants to do that in us. He wants to, to really build us together. And in fact, in the, later in this letter in Ephesians 4, it says that as we are, are each called to the church, God puts different gifts and different roles and different aspects so that we can really rise up in maturity in all that God intended for us in Christ. That is really his heart, that we each have a role to play. There is a shared mission, and part of what God's heart is for you and for me is that we would have such a concern, a deep concern for one another, for our growth, that that I would be concerned about your growth, and that you would be concerned about my growth, and you would be concerned about the growth of the one beside you, and you would be concerned for the one, for the growth of the one who's a Christian, who's following Jesus, who isn't even connected to Nuco, but you would have such a deep care and concern. As I said earlier, I I say it's this. It's this gift God gives us of of caring his people in our heart. Really holding them there and caring about them and being concerned. 
for their ability and their growth and their opportunity to really experience the life God has for them. It's this shared mission. But I honestly believe, I honestly believe that it just requires us to serve one another. And, and, if, and if, I can, if I can just kind of take my Nuco hat off for a minute, and, and if you can just trust the sincerity of what I'm about to say, I believe the reason why we... <laughs> The reason why we tell you, hey, come on, join the dream team. Jump on a team. Find a place to serve. The reason why we say, hey, we want you to get in a group. We want you to find a group. Find your new community. Find a group of people where you can really begin allowing the conversation of God and his, his plan for your life to be open, an open dialogue with a group of other Christians where in meaningful relationships you're growing and you're being joined together and you're built together. It's, it's not because we're trying to build a church. I'll just be honest. It's because we're trying to build you. Now, our intent is always to build you. We started new community not to build a building, but to build you. Not to build an organization, but to build you. And we just believe that, that these are environments. Our prayer is that these could be environments where you begin to serve someone, where you get in close enough proximity, where you begin to love someone and carry them in your heart. And in that, God might just grow you and mature you and develop you in a way that you can never experience otherwise. In fact, I am so convinced of this. I, I believe this so much that there is a level of spiritual growth that you and I will forfeit until we start serving another. It's just true. It's true in every aspect of life. It's true as a parent, right? It's true when you get married. It's true as you grow up and you, you become an adult. But it's also true in the church and what God wants to do in each one of us. There's to be a shared mission and a shared commitment to God's work in the church. That's why in the New Testament there's over 59 commands that say one another, love one another, honor one another, serve one another, submit to one another. All these things that God says, it's all part of being joined together and built up into what I've designed and created. That is his intent. Man, that we would be one new humanity and we would have this shared alliance and we would have a shared mission, a com commitment to what God wants to do in the church, in his church. But here's the third one. I think this is the thing that, man, I just, this is my prayer that we could get here as new community, that we could live in this space as a new community. It's in chapter three where Paul kind of finishes with this final thought on God's intent. He says, God's intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly world. In other words, that everything seen and unseen, that everything physical and spiritual would see what God does through the church, see what God does through our temporary season in this earth. Like the, the very, We get one shot, y'all. We get one chance, one generation is what we're, we're here to do. And that, that everything seen and unseen would, would see what God does through his church and they would stand back in awe and say, look at how wise God is. Look at the wisdom of God. That what God does through every expression of his church, in every generation, in every community, it will align with his eternal purposes, which he has set out to accomplish in Christ Jesus. That's why, as I said earlier, it's not just 
that God desires to do something in his church, but God desires to do something through his church. And if you're taking notes, here's your third thought here, is that God, uh, uh, oh, I actually, that was up there. Here's your third thought, is that God wants there to be a shared legacy, a shared legacy, something that, listen, we, that we would leave a mark on our community that changes eternity. And that is something that I can't do. That is something no human leader can do. That is something no group of people can do outside of God's church who is filled with his spirit. Come on, you believe that? Say a good old bueno. God wants there to be a shared legacy that happens in us and through us. That, that we would be a part of his eternal plan. I want to say it. This way, really, I, I, it's another conviction I have in my heart. That every expression of the church is to be God's answer to the prayers and the needs of its community. Think about that. That the reason why, I just believe it, God is a God that when he comes into this world, when he comes into a dark world, a hopeless world, he always creates something brand new. And I just believe that God loved this world so much, he did not just send his son, but God loved this world so much that he sent you. God loved Ashlyn so much and Hanover so much that he sent you. God loved Ashlyn and Hanover so much that he sent new community. And he started bringing a people together who would have a, a sense of, of a shared mission and a shared identity and a shared alliance and, and this kind of driving need and driving understanding that we were here to leave our mark on this community, that we would answer the prayers that may have been prayed for generations, may have been prayed for decades over this place, and that God would stir in us his work for this community. Come on, we are to be the answer to God's answer to the prayers and to the needs, to every issue of drug addiction and pornography addiction in this community. Do you believe it? That the church, there would be an expression of God's church that would be an answer to the fact that there's one out of every four kids in our community living in a fractured home without a mom or a dad. That there would be an expression of the church that would be an answer for the, the poverty needs here along the Brook Road corridor that we drive by week after week. Man, that we would really live that out. And we're not in competition with other churches. Bueno, come on. We're not in competition with other churches, right? We're not in competition with the government. We can go to the Department of Social Services and say, how can we work together to take care of our kids? Come on, you believe that, Nuco? That is what it could look like as a church. And I just believe, man, we started this church, listen, not just so we could meet once a week, but so that we could really do what God is inviting us to do and make something of our lives together. And not for Nuco's sake. And not for any church's sake, but for his sake. That your neighbors would know his name. And that your family would know his name. And that the families that are just kind of hanging out on a fourth Fridays in Ashland would discover the peace of God on a bouncy house? Come on. Really, that they would discover that and they would know his name, yeah? They would know his name. 
new community, I, I just believe God is just getting started. And tonight, more than anything else, I'm praying. I'm praying that you would come to a space where you would lay down your hostility. I'm praying that you would come to a space where you would just really say, God, I'm ready to be all in on your intent for your church. I'm ready to say yes to that. I'm ready to set aside my reservations. But I'm also praying that you would be ready to say this. God, I'm ready for however you want to use my life. God, I'm ready for however you want to join me together with a church, with an expression of your church, so that this community might be changed, so that our schools might be changed, so that this generation would know the name of Jesus above every other name. Come on, Nuco, if you believe it, if you want to be a part of it. Come on, this is why we are here. This is what our lives are about. Isn't that the life you want to live? Come on. I, I just love this message. I love this word that was written to a church 2,000 years ago. Can I say it to you this way? It's written to a people who would not have the opportunities or the access or the access to wealth, or access to information, or access to so much. It's written to a people. And, and we look at them and we think, man, they had nothing. And yet, you know what? The entire world was changed because they believed what God wanted to do through his church. Let's believe it. Come on, Nuco. Let's believe it. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey with Jesus. Yeah, and we'd love to connect with you further. And the best way to do that is at our website, thenewcommunity.church, where you can connect to our small groups, find other resources, and even give to the work God's doing through New Community.